If you got your Bibles, be turning with me. I'm going to be all over the place today. I feel like I don't much know. Uh, I, I get so much in the week that I don't, I, I kind of combine things and put a lot of things. I don't feel like I'm as much preaching a sermon as I am uh, wanting to talk to you and, uh, and, and, and on a lot of thoughts that are on my heart and mind. And uh, this morning, one of the things that's on my heart is the Lordship of Christ, the Lordship of Christ. And, uh, and, and then uh, I want to combine that with uh, talking with you a little bit about the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. How many know there's two spirits uh, operating in this world? There's really only two. There is the Lordship of Christ and there is the Antichrist. There is the Christ spirit uh, who is both spirit and there, there, there is the spirit of Christ, the, the, the Holy Spirit. And then there is uh, Christ the man who literally came to this earth. Well, there is the spirit of Antichrist and there will be Antichrist, the real person that will step on the face of this earth uh, in the near future. And so I want to talk about both of those things. But first, I want to just talk to you. I was thinking about this because I'm seeing so many uh, things going on with people's lives today it just seems like there's such a falling away there's such a uh, uh, just uh, a lot of people that name the name of Christ and yet their lives don't seem to match up with the with this book and that was one of the things that when I came to Christ I remember that was one of the things that really really burdened my heart to uh, to to really want to uh, teach and preach this word because when I began to read this Bible, and that's what we're trying to, and you are doing it, thank God. I'm getting people, I had somebody come up to me this morning that's excited about some things they were seeing in Genesis and asking me questions about things they had never read in the scriptures there before. And I was so excited, man, to see people getting into the word of God yourself because you need to get into the Bible. My life did not change until I started reading this book myself. And I'm going to tell you, when I began to go into the pages of this scripture with a hungry heart. God began to change my life and, and uh, I began to get introduced to the real God. And I believe we have a misunderstanding uh, of how God enters a life. I really believe we've been preaching a, a gospel that uh, is not maybe the gospel at all. And we, we, we really don't have a good understanding of how God enters a man or woman, boy or girl. We just were told, pray a prayer and, and believe Jesus is Lord. But we have no concept of what that means. We have no concept of what that's all about. Oh good, I, I punched my ticket to heaven. But we have no concept of how God really enters the life of a man, woman, boy or girl. And I want to talk about that today. People told me just believe in God, but they never really explained to me what He was like. They didn't really explain to me what this God was really, really like. And I began to read the book myself and I began to come to places like Isaiah 6 and I began to see scriptures like this in Isaiah 6 where I began to read about what God is like. Just They just said, believe. Oh, you prayed that prayer, Brad? You're going to heaven. But then I went and read in the book and I began to see what this God was like. And he began to say, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up and his train of his robe 
filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. And each had six wings. With two they covered their face. And with two they covered their feet. I mean these glorious beings have six wings all over their body. And they dare not even look at the face of God. They are covering their face. They're covering their feet. And they're crying back and forth. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they are just absolutely crying back. The Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of His glory. And when they cry this back and forth and when they see Him, the foundations begin to shake in the temple of the voice of Him. And the glory of the Lord fills the entire house. I believe if that really happened right now, some of your hearts would stop and we would need to come and call a medic to revive you. No, I'm serious. That's not the Jesus we explain in churches. That is not the God we say, come up here. Are you sure you want to come to Jesus? He'll make your life better. Oh, just bebop down the aisle. He's like your friend. He's like Santa Claus. That doesn't look like Santa Claus to me. That looks like somebody that has a throne. That looks like somebody that is holy. Holy. When the Bible says holy and it says it three times, that means something. That means perfectly holy. He is not like you. That means he has never sinned. That means he's never defiled himself. That means he doesn't go around looking at things on the internet. That means he doesn't do things. He doesn't say perverse and profane things out of his mouth and say, oh, that's no big deal. He does not have a wandering, roving eye. He does not do things wrong. He is pure. There's nobody like him. He is holy. He is divine. He is just. He is awesome. He is powerful there's nothing else in the whole universe like him and when people come before them him they fall like dead men and they cover themselves and they cry holy 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 and so when I began to read the Bible myself at 21, 22 years old, I began to see, whoa, wait a minute, this God I see that looks like Mr. Rogers, this European-looking little frail, weak thing, is not really who he was. This God is powerful. This Jesus is holy. He's the name above all names. He is the great God. He is the I am that I am. He is the all-consuming one. He's the consuming fire. He is awesome and He is powerful. He always existed. There was never a time that he wasn't. And he always will be. Amen. He speaks. And says let there be light. And it, bam. There is light. And then I read things like in Exodus 34, 3. Where Moses, and I'll never forget reading this. God, please show me your glory. And he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you the name of the Lord and I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll show mercy to whom I'll show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see my face and live. And I remember reading about this God that we dare to go before. I discovered that he was immortal. Immortal. That he is immortal. He holds life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Him is life. He, he is in charge. He's in charge of this world. He's in charge of the universe. He is in charge of everything. He determines your next breath. 
He holds the next breath in your mouth and in your lungs. Do you understand that? One minute you're playing a football game and the next your breath is taken from your body. No. Lisa Marie Presley, should I just keep naming the people that are dying left and right in this world at young ages right now? Every day that you turn on your news, you're not guaranteed your next breath. I remember hearing Francis Chan preaching. He said one of his favorite, uh, or one of, uh, one of his business friends that he knew was preaching at a funeral. And he said he began to say some things out at that funeral. He began to say, talking about the person that had died. And he, the guy began to preach and say, you don't understand. God controls the next breath. That's how powerful this God is. He said, he said God controls whether you live or die and the next breath that you take. And he went on and preached the gospel. And then he repeated it again. You do not know when he's going to take your breath from your body. You could die in any minute. The guy went and sat down and fell over. And died. You talk about an object lesson. One minute preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you will confess me before God. Men and, and, and if you'll confess me before men. I will confess you before my father in heaven. One minute that man is confessing the gospel before men. And the next minute Jesus is saying. Here let me introduce to you father. So and so. He's the one keeping us alive. And I studied the Bible and what I began to be so aware of in the church at that moment is there's so few that read this. No, there's so few because they don't know it. There's so few because, because there's a lot about God in here that I hear preached. There's a lot I don't hear preached. There's a lot of Christians, it seems like the same old stuff I hear over and over, but I don't hear a lot of the other things in here about the holiness, about the fear, about if you want to be my disciples and any man wants to come after me, let him, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow him. If any man doesn't hate his father or mother or sister or brother or wife or job or even his own life, he's not fit to be my disciple. People just told me, believe. And I, oh, okay, I'll believe. I'll pray a prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Okay, you're saved now. But I didn't realize what that means. Do you know what it means to be Lord? No, do you know what it means to be Lord? It means master. 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 It comes from the word that means master, that we are, he is our master. Why, Luke 4, 6, 46, Jesus asked the question, why do you all call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? That doesn't make any sense. No, why do you, why do I tell you to do things in this book? You read them, you know what I want you to do. And you call me Lord. You said it when you wanted to get saved. When you prayed the sinner's prayer, you call me Lord. Yet you don't do what I ask you to do. I told you to forgive that person. You call me Lord? No, I'm not your Lord. I told you to let it go. I told you to dwell together in unity. You're stiff-necked, you're rebellious, and you call me Lord? It means master. It means every time that I ask you to do something, then you don't do it. 
And I'm reading these passages after I get saved in the Bible and I'm noticing that people, people's postures toward the Lord is so opposite of that. It's so much, God, do this for me and I'll serve you. God, do this for me and I'll do this for you. How come you didn't answer my prayer, God? How come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do this? Master, do this for me. Master, do that for me. Does that sound like the way it should be? Master, you come do this. Master, you heal my person. Master, you do what I tell you to do. You know what it's like? Let me use another example from the same minister I mentioned earlier. He said, not making him Lord, calling him Lord, and not making him Master. is like, Putting Jesus in your trunk. And then when you get a flat tire, Jesus, come, come, come on. And then you put him in the trunk. You continue on with your life just like it is. And then when you get a flat tire, you go up in the trunk and say, Jesus, I got a flat. Would you fix the flat tire? Oh, you say, no way I would do that. Oh, okay. So you put him in the back seat. Can I tell you something? The God of the universe does not ride in the back seat. And He doesn't ride in the passenger seat. He is Lord. He is Master. He is Messiah. That's not the Lord that we serve. I don't care what kind of they peddle in church or what kind of pop psychology or moral relativism they put out today or what kind of cultural this or cultural that. That is not the God if you actually open the pages and read the Bible about a God who is holy, holy, holy and a God that you can't look on His face or you might die. See, Jesus doesn't enter your life through the trunk. Jesus doesn't enter your life through the, through the, through the, uh, the passenger side. If you want to be a Christian, hear me people, you might not be a Christian today even though you've sat in here for 30 years. If you want to be a Christian, He enters your life as master or not at all. He takes the keys to the car. You give Him the keys to the car. He becomes your all in all. He rules and rules your life. Amen? Amen. That's how Jesus enters the Christian life. That's how He comes into our life. Luke 14, 25 says, Now great crowds accompanied Him. And He turned and said unto them, If anyone wants to come to Me and does not hate his father, mother, sister, brother, children, all these others, and even his own life, he cannot be My disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after Me cannot be My disciple. That's so different from modern Christianity where we get so jazzed as preachers when the seats are full and when we say, Hey, bring a friend tomorrow, bring a friend next week, and bring them in and let, let them put Jesus in the trunk. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, you might want to really, really consider this. You might really want to weigh the cost. Because if you make me your master and Lord, I'm taking over. 
I'm ruling your life. I am the one that is going to be in charge. But actually, folks, that's good news. It's actually great news because you know what? That means we have a new king now. You know what? Before 1994, Brad was the king of, his, of my life. And, and I ruled my own life. And the enemy ruled my life. The prince of the power of the air. But guess what? I made a mess by that. That ruling my life turned my life into a mess. But when I took that aside and I let Jesus become the master of my life. He began to rule my life. And yes, he drove me into some areas I didn't want to drive in. When he gets the wheel, Jesus take the wheel. Listen, sometimes he drives us into places we don't want to go. But can I tell you what? As you mature in the Lord and you look back on the years that you've been following Jesus, he's never let me down. And I can tell you every place we've turned and every direction we've gone, I can honestly say thank you, Lord. And see, most of us grew up in a culture that doesn't like authority. But God in heaven controls everything. Even your next breath, whether you like it or not. If you want out of that, you create your own world. And this God who I learned at first to tremble at. From these scriptures like this. And to make me fearful. You ought to be afraid. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Friendship with, with God begins with fearing Him. And I'm reading about this God who controls everything. And I'm reading about this God who can take my breath. And I'm reading about this God who has the power. Don't fear Him who can, who can kill the body and the soul. But fear the one who has the power to throw you into hell. That's who you ought to fear. That's who you ought to fear. The one who has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. That's the one you ought to get in right with. That's the one. And I can remember thinking about this, trembling at this. But then I can remember as I began to read the pages of this God who's so terrifying that I also began to read how God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Brad, God so loves you that He doesn't want to condemn you, but that He wants to save you. And I began to read about this God that wants a relationship with me. And I'm thinking, if that's the God that this Bible speaks of, and if that's the God of the universe, then God, you can have my life. I'll come under your rules and I'll come under your authority and I'll live. And if Christ is Lord, then, then, then this is what begins to happen. You begin to be led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons and daughters of God. But if you are not led by the Spirit, then you are being led by another Spirit. And that's the second part of this message about what I want to talk about. The Spirit of Antichrist. Because it is so prevalent right now in this world. And there are so many that are being controlled and led by even so-called people in the church. And I'm thinking, it, it, it bothers me because it seems that so many are being led by another spirit besides the spirit of Christ. And, and so if you don't make, Lord, make uh, him the Lord of your life, you're led by the Antichrist. Now the Antichrist is someone in 1 John 2... The Antichrist, we see him, and the Antichrist is someone or some spirit that is opposite or against the Messiah. He's opposed to, feel, and against Christ. That's what the Antichrist is. Jesus is both a man and a spirit. 
Well, the Bible tells us that the Antichrist is both a man and a spirit. It tells us that plainly. And I want to look at a few scriptures, and I want you to just read these carefully with me. Look at what it says in 1 John 2. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now, many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it's the last hour. Look at this. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Young people, don't sit here and tell me that you can believe in any God. Don't, don't tell me this canceling of the Christian uh, culture and of Christianity, that that is right. I'm telling you, right here from the Word of God, it already spoke about your doom if you go down that road. It tells you this is an antichrist spirit that is becoming prevalent, and there's a lot of them that have gone out, and that's how you know we're in the day, end days. Well, I know we're in the end days because everybody that has, uh, they think they got some kind of intelligent brain, they're all turning from God and beginning to hate the things of God. No one denies the Son that has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. All of a sudden you got so smart. Grandmama's religion's not the real deal anymore. All of a sudden you got so wise in your thinking that you became dumb. You became fools. And you exchanged the glory of God for that of mere mortal man. And now we're worshiping creeping things and the environment and every kind of stupid thing. I'm so sick of hearing uh, shows about the universe, the universe, the universe, the universe, the universe, the universe. Fooey on the universe. God made the universe. Let what you hurt, they're brainwashing you. They are brainwashing you through every media. It's the spirit, it's called the spirit of Antichrist. And it's working, and it's working, and it's getting into the hearts and minds of people left and right because they don't read this, and all they do is click this. Let what you heard from the beginning, that, abide in you. If you, what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. If this abides in you, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. God's going to be in you, and you're going to be in God. But the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about everything, and it is true, and it is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. The spirit of Antichrist is alive today. It's well today. It, it is moving. And it is a spirit that denies the truth of Jesus. It denies the truth of Jesus. It denies the truth about God's church. It denies the truth about God's word. It denies the truth about all of these things. And the struggle of our present age is the spirit of God in us versus the spirit of Antichrist in this world. Do you understand that's the fight now? It is the spirit of God in you if you are a believer and the spirit of Antichrist that is in the world. There is war going on whether you like it or not. But listen to what he says. He says, but, uh, the, he says, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus 
Jesus is not from God. If it doesn't acknowledge Jesus of this book, if it says Jesus can coexist with every other thing under the arm, uh, earth, run from it. There is no coexisting. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus is the Almighty. Jesus is the one, the only, the truth, the way, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. Amen? And the struggle of our age is between the Spirit of God that is in you and the Spirit of Antichrist that is in the world. And the Bible tells us uh, if you could choose one word to describe what the Antichrist is, it would be this. Hear me well. Lawlessness. One word to describe the Spirit now. Lawless. Lawless. It's, it's, and it's the control now for what's going on in the world. It's going to increase. It's going to increase and it's going to increase and it's going to increase. 2023, everybody, oh, thank God, 2022's over. Guess what? We got a 2023 coming. And we got 2024 coming if the Lord tarries. And guess what? It's going to wax worse and worse and worse. Amen? But we got a God who gets bigger and bigger and bigger inside of us. Amen? And so we don't fear. We don't have to worry about 2022, 2023, 2024. What does it matter? God's with us. Amen? And if He's with us, who can be against us? He is with us and He's, he's for us. And, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. So Jesus said in the last days there's going to be wars. Well, well, honey, there's wars everywhere. There's wars in the Ukraine. There are wars threatened from Iran to Israel to everywhere else on the face of earth. There's rumors of wars. There's persecution. Persecution of believers, like Jesus said. There are false prophets that are rising up. There are false messiahs that are rising up. And one of the greatest signs that he said about the last days is found in Matthew 24, 12. And because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. That word lawless is anomia. It's the Greek New Testament word, and it means lack of law. Lack of law. It says many will lose their love for God because of the lack of the protection of the law. Because they lack the rulership of the Messiah in their lives. They lack Jesus ruling their life. So they're given over to a spirit of lawlessness. The spirit of Antichrist begins to sway them and move them into certain directions. And their faith begins begins to become destroyed by the spirit of lawlessness. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, Let no man deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. The Lord will not return until the people's love grows cold. The Lord will not return until there's a falling away. The Lord will not return until there is a man of lawlessness. That same word, anomia, the man lacking the law of God. The man lacking the law of God. Oh, that's an old book. I'm not going to be ruled by that. Or I'll just take my pen knife like we do today in so many places and churches. And we'll just cut out the parts I don't like. I'll follow what I want to follow. And what benefits me. And I'll cut out the pieces that really hit the flesh. 
And that's what he says in the last days is going to be happening. He says that, that this man will come on the scene and his spirit will already be here. And the man is lacking the law of God who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes the seat in the temple of God. I wouldn't worry about a temple way over there. I'd worry about this temple right here, him sitting right here. So he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Today the spirit of lawlessness is loosed on the world, but before the Lord returns, the spirit will be embodied in a person. Today the spirit is here, tomorrow the man will be here. Just like Jesus showed up on the earth one day. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is taken out of the way. This mystery of this power is already at work. The spirit is already at work, but it's being restrained by God at the moment the Bible Bible says, and what about them? But, but what about us? What about the believers? What's going on with us and our lives? Well, let me tell you something. Here's what's happening, or what should be happening. The commandments of God should be being revived and restored in our lives. Yeah. Listen at Matthew 7 21. Let me keep going. Not everyone, say everyone, everyone. who says to me, Lord, Lord, Master, Master will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, Master, Master, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of anomia, Lawlessness, absence of God's law. Oh, I want fire insurance, but I don't want him telling me what to do. I'm not living under that kind of, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm the master of my life. I'm the ruler of my domain. I'm a self-made man. I'm a woman. I don't need no man. I don't need no nothing. I don't need authority over me. Cast off all restraint. Oh, but I do go to church. I sing. I praise. I teach. I work miracles. I do all these other things. But there's an absence of God's law in my life. An absence of doing the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know what the primary evidence that we belong to God? It's not that you cast out a demon or a devil. It's not that you work miracles. It's not that you preach or teach well. The evidence is His rulership in your life. It's that He rules. He rules in your life. He, 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 is, he, he rules over you. And whatever the, the Father asks, whatever the Master asks of you, you do it. 
You do it. That's why I remember at 21 years of age, I remember bowing in my apartment a couple of days before. I remember crying out to him and asking him to become the Lord of my life. But then I remember a couple of days, that was because I was in some sin and I had done some things that hurt a lot of people. And all of a sudden I'm becoming aware that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. But there was a couple of days later that I was in a church and they were preaching and they began to give the altar call. And I can remember my heart beating so fast and I can remember God saying do you want me it's all or nothing I'm asking for everything it was basically you aren't going in the trunk I'm not going in your trunk I'm not going in your passenger seat I'm not coming to add myself to make your life better Brad you need to contemplate you can walk away and you can live the rest of your life the way you want to live it you can keep trucking on the way you've been trucking but if you're going to have me you got to decide before you walk that altar don't do it haphazardly don't do it just say and woohoo, woohoo. Now, when you walk this aisle, it's you're giving all to me. Amen. And you're gonna do what I say. And I and I died in that pew. No, I died in that pew, Cindy. At Limwood Church of God. I died in that moment in that pew because it was either it was Brad is not coming with us. Brad is not coming to rule the roost. Brad is dying right here today. Decide. Decide, Brad, if you can take my rulership and if you can follow me. If you can, I want you to follow me. Come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you my disciple. And I can remember that choice. And folks, I'm telling you, what makes us a member in the kingdom of God is that a king rules inside of us, in our hearts and outside, concerning our words and our behaviors. He begins to change our life. A kingdom has come and it begins to rule inside of us folks and you have a king who rules inside and it begins to affect the outside of our lives as well amen Amen. and here's what he does he separates his spirit separates us from the spirit of lawlessness he comes to the believer and he separates you young people old people he separates you from the filth of this world He separates you from the spirit that is opposed to him. He separates us. There's a dividing line. There is something that comes and begins to take us away. The spirit separates us. And that's what saves you, folks. You're saved from your sin because you get separated from it. It's going to destroy you. It's going to lead you to hell. So he comes in. The Spirit of God begins to overtake the evil in your life. Dominate it. Put it to death. And the Spirit rules and reigns. And you're made alive in Christ. Some of you look like you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. Spirit of the living God, make it real. Spirit of Antichrist will become more intense in the last days. Hear me well. The Spirit of Antichrist is going to increase. It's going to increase in the last days. That's what God says. He tells us three. He does it. Look, if you want to know something in Scripture, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. He just told you through Jesus' words in Matthew 24. He just told you through John's words. And he just told you through uh, Paul's words that a mystery of lawlessness is at work. And it's going to increase more and more in the last days. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. God could have said it alone, but he said it out of the mouth of several witnesses. And I got news for you that the societies and cultures around the world are going to become more and more lawless as we 
enter into the last days. And two different kinds of lawlessness that we're seeing right now, that we're seeing in our world, we're seeing it in the political world right now, is we're seeing rules for so long. And our higher universities, they've been telling you, I believe what I believe. You you know, you you think what you think. I think I want to say jank. They're both high and they're both right. They marriage is this and marriage is that. If I want to say it feels good, disagree with me. My, you're intolerant. You preachers off the internet. It's on the right too, lawlessness. 